You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. The truth was, and we'll get into this in a minute, Peter was more afraid of the Jews than he was the Gentiles. Uh, he, he feared their thoughts, their actions, their repercussions because they were very politically ingrained in their culture uh, and uh, they had certain powers and persuasions and he wanted to be on their good side. He didn't want to have any trouble with them so he tried to take the path of least resistance but it was making a hypocrite out of them in the process. The easy way is seldom the best way. The only way to righteousness is through Christ. But it's far from easy. If you make the approval of others your goal in life, you'll be forced to compromise on your faith-driven value, missing out on God's bigger purpose. In today's message, Pastor Gary will remind us that the most important audience you have is your Heavenly Father. When he sees you, he sees his child made righteous through Jesus' sacrifice. And he wants to see you live victoriously. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Galatians chapter 2 as he begins his message, When Grace Gets Frustrated. Open your Bibles to the book of Galatians chapter number 2. And I'll begin reading in verse number 11, just for sake of time, uh, but before I start reading, just to give you a little bit of context, many of the Jews who had been accustomed to living or at least attempting to live under the Mosaic law were being born again, coming to know Christ as Savior, and uh, of course there was this great transition from the mentality and the philosophy of the old Uh, covenant versus the new covenant and so what you had was some striking contrasts of practice and behavior within the church Uh, the Jews in particular that were uh, raised Jews were having a difficult time letting go of the things that they were trained their whole life were required for righteousness such as uh, circumcision such as different things that the law had laid out and and uh, the kind of food that they were allowed to eat and not to eat and that kind of thing. And, and so they, uh, they began to learn that in Christ the law was already fulfilled and that there were some ceremonial components of the law that were no longer even required or expected, such as circumcision, for example, and such as uh, refraining from eating certain types of meats. Uh, Under the old Mosaic law, it was forbidden to eat, for example, pork. But in the New Covenant, pork was allowed. And and so there was uh, beginning to be some tensions depending upon where these uh, apostles would go to preach. Peter in particular, if we preached to the Jews, he would try to he was kind of like a spiritual chameleon. How many of you have ever acted like that? Don't, don't be shy, be honest. Amen. Sometimes we, got, uh, we, we, we do that. It's, it's human nature to try to blend in. You don't want to stick out. So you kind of stand at a distance and observe a little bit and figure out, okay, how, how do they do it here? And, and you try as much as you can, amen, to fit in. And so Peter was doing some of this. And so when he was around the Jews, he acted like a Jew. When he was around the Gentiles, he let down his guard and and he ate pork or whatever, you know, and, and basically Paul called him out for it, and we're going to read about some of that. But that's kind of the, 
the clash that's going on. And so that gives you a little bit of context. Now look at verse number 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him. This is Paul the Apostle writing to the church of Galatia. He said, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. Uh-oh. The preacher's fixing to be called out in front of everybody. Paul, of course, exercising the gift of the bishop, an overseer of the overseers, so to speak. Uh, amen. He was an apostle, of course, but... Uh, he was taking authority and calling Peter out for his hypocrisy. Look at verse 12. For uh, before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them that were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled, that's a big word we'll look at momentarily, Dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews... Why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? And the truth was, and we'll get into this in a minute, Peter was more afraid of the Jews than he was the Gentiles. Uh, he, he feared their thoughts, their actions, their repercussions because they were very politically ingrained in their culture uh, and uh, they had certain powers and persuasions, and he wanted to be on their good side. He didn't want to have any trouble with them, so he tried to take the path of least resistance, but it was making a hypocrite out of him in the process. Verse 15, we who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. Uh, in other words, Peter didn't need to be bringing these new Gentile converts around other Jews who got saved and trying to give them a different standard of living around the Jews just to impress them. It was creating confusion even in the church because these new believers... Uh, when they got saved, they were told it was by grace through faith, not of works. But then all of a sudden, when they got around the Jews, Peter changed the story. Hey, boys, when we're around these fellows, we've got to act a little different. And it, was, it wasn't good. You, you get the picture, right? Uh, and so it said, uh, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners... Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. I'm going to explain some of this momentarily. Be patient with me. Verse 19. For I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate 
the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Okay, my focus tonight is verse 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Now, quickly, let's look at the meaning of this word frustrate. It comes from the Greek word or the Greek number 114 in the Strong's Concordance, G114, which means to set aside, that is to disesteem, neutralize, or violate, or cast off, or despise, or disannul, or bring to naught, or reject the grace of God. Uh, I do not frustrate, that is, I do not disesteem, or I do not neutralize the grace of God. What he's saying essentially is if I claim to live by grace, but then I go back to works, essentially I am writing off the grace of God as if it is non-essential and not important. Okay. In other words, if righteousness were obtained by the law, why would we need the cross? You get what I'm saying? Okay. Another way to look at the word frustrate here can be defined by the Webster's 1828 Dictionary as literally to break or interrupt, hence to defeat or to balk or to bring to nothing as to frustrate a plan, will, or purpose. The whole plan, will, and purpose of Calvary was to bring redemption to man who could not secure salvation for himself any other way than by, through, by grace and through faith in Jesus Christ. And so for one to place themselves up under this regimented legalistic list of rules uh, to try to live up to a certain standard to be pleasing to man and God is to bring themselves back up under the grace of God uh, and defeat the whole purpose of Calvary altogether. And so we're not working. I like to, when I start, start talking about works, works for the believer is not to attain salvation, but it is, to, it is to testify of salvation. Let me say that again. Works is not to attain salvation. It is to testify of the salvation that you already have. Uh, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, not emulate, not achieve, but see your good works to what purpose? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. So we work because we're saved, and we work to bring others to Christ, but we don't work to get saved. We're, we're already saved if we're putting our faith in Jesus Christ. So I hope that you clearly see the difference there. Uh, and so when he says, I do not frustrate the grace of God, what he is essentially saying is, I am not fixing Peter to go back into the bondage of the law when Christ has already set me from the guilt and the condemnation that the law had me under. I have been redeemed by the grace of God. I am covered in the righteousness of Christ himself. Why would I then try to live up to the law which only brings condemnation and death? Because under the law, all are guilty before God except Jesus Christ himself. And Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. Works, religious works, 
do not help you in the eyes of God in terms of your salvation. Okay? Now, having established that really basic fundamental core doctrine, works versus grace, let's go on in this study. I want to give you three quick things. When grace gets frustrated, there is the presence of, number one, slippery standards. Slippery standards. Verses 11 and 12 illustrate this well. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him face to, to his face because he was to be blamed for before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. And so even, and this kind of, in a way, makes me feel a little bit better about myself, even though it's wrong for anybody to fear man. But I'm looking at this great man of God by the name of Peter. And even he faced the challenge of do I please God or do I fear men? Amen? And that ought to offer some consolation to all of us because sometimes we find ourselves in environments where we are tempted to allow our standards to slip and slide a little bit to appease the men that, are, that we're trying to impress or that we're trying to live up to a certain standard before. Amen. Uh, so, uh, whenever, but this frustrates the grace of God when we have a set of standards that change with the environment that we are in. This is a fear based existence, this is not a faith based existence. And I believe, if you want to write something else down that's not, uh, this maybe I don't have a blank for you there, but if you want to write this down, you can authenticity based upon the authority of God's word is the safeguard against manipulation. Essentially, the reason we sometimes change our standards depending upon who we're around is because we allow the fear of men to manipulate our actions. Now, what they may or may not intend on manipulating us, but sometimes we can allow ourselves to be manipulated by our own perceived realities. We may think that someone, for example, will condemn us if we don't wear a suit and tie to church. So what do we do? We wear a suit and tie to church so that we're not condemned by others. That's just one example of many that I could give. Uh, But so many Christians today are living up to the appearance that they think or assume others expect them to live up to to prevent their scorn to prevent their attacks, but they have no real, genuine, authentic, and sincere walk with God. It's all a fear-based, man-based uh, uh, reality. And, and so this frustrates the grace of God when men allow themselves, when Christians allow themselves to live a fear-based Christian experience. Who are we here to please, men or God? Amen? Now, here's the thing about your liberties. Uh, There are certain liberties that you have in Christ that you, with the authority of the Word of God, can live in, and some people are not going to be happy about your liberties because they have a certain list that they are living up to and they are assuming makes them righteous, 
And they assume that because you're not living by the list that makes them righteous, then you're not righteous either. And some of them are very vocal about it and very manipulative about it. And so what ends up happening for the weaker Christians is sometimes they live very confused existence. Because when they're around one crowd, it's, everything goes. And, there's no, you know, and then they get around this other crowd and they're super spiritual and they, they got all this list, these, got all these rules, and, and it looks like the church suffers from spiritual schizophrenia. Because it depends on where you go as to what the standard is and who's right and who's wrong, and the young Christians don't have a clue what they're supposed to even do. My advice for you is to get your nose in the book Follow Jesus and don't worry about what any of that crowd has to say about you. Can I get an amen? Because you don't need to live a fear-based existence because when you do, it frustrates the grace of God that he meant for you to live up under. 2 Timothy 3 verse 14 says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. One thing for sure when the Spirit of God teaches you something straight out of the Word, and you have been assured of that. Uh, see, it's one thing to learn something, but it's another thing to be assured of it. Have you ever heard something? You just learned something. But then you're not 100% sure that it's right, so you do a little deeper dive, right? You, you want to be sure that you're right on that thing. Well, that's the diligence that you need to have with the Word of God. Don't just take my word for it. Don't just take any preacher's word for it. Go to the book. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And once you personally have been assured of that teaching from the Word of God, stand upon the authority of God's Word and don't let other people shake your belief because you've already been assured by God and by the Word of God that that belief is accurate according to the Word of God. Now, God obviously gives us teachers, preachers, pastors, uh, for our edification, for our learning, to help us understand the Word of God. Amen. But if, you're an, if you are a student of the Word, you can prevent from being manipulated or deceived by false teaching. Amen. Because if you're saved, you have the Holy Spirit living in you too. And He can just as well teach you what's right and wrong as He can teach me. And so our standard is not Gary Caudill. It is not any other preacher. It's not necessarily any other uh, dogma or denomination. It is the very Word of God. Amen. And when you establish your belief system upon sound doctrine out of God's Word, that will eliminate this slippery standard that we have. And then you can learn how to live in freedom and in grace, and uh, you won't be uh, manipulated by your actions and living a false pretense around one crowd and being somebody that you're not just so that you can keep your appearance up with them. Uh, and, and usually this is not, you know, a lot of people are afraid to exercise their liberty because they don't want to offend a weaker brother. Now, that's a whole different subject altogether. And we'll get to that another day. I'm not talking about whether or not we should behave a certain way around the weaker brethren who don't understand. I'm talking about when we get around other leaders in the church. And those leaders look at something a little different or believe a little different or uh, practice something a little bit different than we do. Are we going to change colors with the environment? Uh, Scott Boatner, my friend, asked this question. It's a very profound question. It's one that we all need to ask. Are we adapting to our environment or are we growing in grace? There's a big, it could be a big difference. 
Amen. I don't want to have a bunch of robots that do what Gary Caldwell expects them to do. I don't. I'm not interested in that. That's why I don't give people a whole list of things that I expect them to do every week. Now, I may have some things I could use your help with. I may ask you to help them, but I'm not going to come to you and rebuke you if you don't, uh, you know, uh, live up to a certain dress code or this or that. I'm going to leave that between you and the Lord, and I'm going to preach the Bible straight, and I'm going to let you and the Lord work that out. Obviously, I wouldn't want you to come to church half naked, right? You know, that, there's, a, there, there's, a, there's a line somewhere to be drawn, but we're not dealing with extremes. We're talking about basic principles here, just general principles, right? And so get your standards from the Word of God, not from men who like to manipulate, who like to control, or who are afraid of the others who like to manipulate or control. I, I don't think Peter's heart was in the wrong place. I just think that he had a lesson to learn that we all have to learn. Amen? But I do question the hearts of those that Peter feared. Right? And sometimes people that you are afraid of, you're afraid of them for a reason, because they're intimidating because they're condescending, and because they're very vocal about your alleged misbehavior. And so rather than being publicly scorned, you'd rather just play by the rules and play it safe because you don't want them to bring any unnecessary attention to you. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but this can be applied uh, in all kinds of environments as you walk with God and as you find yourself serving Christ in different places that he opens doors for you. Uh, Bottom line is, stay true to the Word of God, and be comfortable with God's standard and not man's. And don't let it shake you if someone thinks that you're wrong when you know, according to the Word of God, you're in good standing with Him. Don't, don't let it bother you. Let them think what they want. Let them say what they want. You have nothing to prove to nobody but God. Amen? All right, so don't get caught up in this slippery sliding standard where it changes everywhere you go. And I want to say this before I move on to the second point. Confidence in God's Word is the safeguard against deception. Confidence in God's Word is the safeguard against deception. Once you have learned and been assured of the teachings of Scripture, then stand and be confident on God's Word so that you're safeguarded against those who might seek to lead you astray. Amen. And live by the standards of God's Word. Now, when we're starting to talk about grace versus works, boy, this is a big subject. It's all about the grace of God. Uh, But I don't want you to misunderstand my teaching. Just because we have grace don't mean we should take full advantage of God's forgiveness and act like God doesn't care how we live, because He very much cares how we live. We don't need to abuse God's grace. Uh, so I wanted to make that clarification. But tonight we're just dealing with general principles. As a rule of thumb, as a Christian, you answer to God. Uh, we believe as Baptists in what we call the priesthood of the believer, that each and every believer can go directly to the throne room of God and talk directly to God through Jesus Christ and don't need to talk to a human priest to talk to God on your behalf. You can bypass the preacher, you can bypass the preaching, and go straight to God Almighty through Jesus Christ, your high priest. 
And he will speak to you and he will direct you through the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And you can get your answers from him. And he says, call unto me and I will answer thee. Show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. So if you're a little bit confused by what men have taught, just go to God's Word and ask for guidance. And he will teach you. He'll clear it up for you. And once he does, stand on it and don't look back. You've been listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle. We're so glad you joined us today for this study in God's Word. Be sure to subscribe to True North on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss a new edition. This broadcast is part of Gary Cottle Ministries, and you can learn more about it and Pastor Gary by visiting our website, garycottle.com. That's Gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. We'd like to invite you to partner with us in sharing the good news of Jesus through this ministry. Would you join Pastor Gary in praying for those listening? Pray for ears to be open and hearts to be receptive to the truth and love found only in God. Please keep Pastor Gary in your prayers as well as he continues to seek God's direction in this ministry. Another way you can be a part of what we're doing is through financial gifts. All amounts are appreciated and useful. Please, prayerfully consider your involvement in this way. And if you feel led to give, you can mail a check to Gary Cottle Ministries, 1112 Old Washington Road, Thompson, Georgia, 30824. That's 1112 Old Washington Road, Thompson, Georgia, 30824. Thank you for partnering with us, and thank you for listening today to True North.